Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, in case we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Will Pinnell. I have the honor of serving here uh, on staff at Grace Christian Church, and we're glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Church Online, we're thrilled that you're taking some time out of wherever you are to worship with us also, and we hope that you're chatting and engaging and commenting and being a part of our worship with us this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but in our home, there is a certain individual who gives another certain individual a really hard time about their driving. Sometimes, I'll be honest, it goes both ways. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit that. Um, sometimes, I wouldn't say I have a problem staying within the two lines of my lane that I'm supposed to, but there are a few number of times that I might hit the rumble strip. Anyone else want to admit to hitting the rumble strip probably more than you probably should? Yeah, I, I, I think I just have, and probably you share this, we have this tendency of doing too many things as we're driving, don't we? Any, anyone eat as they drive? Okay, yeah, probably shouldn't be doing that. Uh, anyone just even talk on the phone and get distracted with other conversations as, as they drive? Anybody like listening to podcasts and your mind just starts going somewhere else as you drive? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's not great, is it? Man, I am thankful, though, for rumble strips. <laughs> And it seems like I hit them a far too often, but I have yet to hit a guardrail. Anybody hit a guardrail while driving? Couple, one, one person, church online, anybody hit a guardrail while driving? I hope that I don't ever have to hit a guardrail. But guardrails serve a purpose to protect us from even a greater danger, right? Last week, we finished up a sermon series called Building Faith, where we talked about uh, uh, the foundations of faith and different doctrines and beliefs, and we ended by talking about traditions of faith. Um, and this week, I, I thought that this series entitled Guardrails would be a good kind of follow-up to last series. They don't always build on, on one another, but, but I saw this series and the idea behind it, I thought, you know, this is, this is good. Because we started and ended last series, we focused last series on the knowledge piece. What, what do we believe? Why do we believe? We, we focus on the knowledge piece, but knowledge is only as beneficial as the action that follows it, right? I, I believe in gravity, therefore I do not jump off a building and believe I can fly, right? I, I believe and I know, have the knowledge that my body needs oxygen and air, Therefore, when I dive to the bottom of a pool, I know I have to come up when I feel my body saying, hey, I'm running out of oxygen. So knowledge is only as beneficial as the action or inaction is the, the, the response to it that we live out in our lives. I think we can all come to the same conclusion as we look at Scripture and we look at the New Testament that the goal of Christianity, of being a follower and disciple of Jesus, right, is to become more like Him. As we live our lives, as we practice the disciplines as we practice these traditions and and we worship and we pray and we we do these things the goal is to live a life like jesus to become a little bit more like him every day of our life to avoid sin to avoid the the dangerous part of this world of this life to to stay on the road becoming more like jesus and so what we inevitably have to end up doing over time is establishing some guardrails 
to protect us from going off the road. We have to establish some guardrails to, to prevent us from, from sin, from the dangerous areas of falling away from God, of, of the things of this world that are not of Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I just want to kind of lay a groundwork and lay, lay a, a framework, a foundation of this, of what, what guardrails really means. What are we talking about when we talk about guardrails in our faith? And then for the next three weeks, what I've done is I've, I've looked at a couple three different areas of life that I think are important for believers in our world today and our culture to make sure we've established some guardrails. Now, last couple weeks of the Building Faith series, we talked about traditions, and we talked about how traditions vary from person to person, right? We can look in Scripture, we see some traditions of worship, we see traditions of fasting, we see traditions of prayer, and we see that, the, that, that it is important that we worship it is important that we pray. It's important that we do these things, but our expression of it varies from person to person. So my worship in my day-to-day -day life might look very different than your worship in your day-to-day -day life. My, my preference for songs that I sing in praise and adoration to God might be different from the songs that you like to sing in your praise and worship to God. And especially when we come to this idea of guardrails, they're very different from person to person. And so the guardrails that I establish in my life might not be what you choose to establish in your life. So as we go through this series, we're going to start with the framework today. We're going to start with what I mean by guardrails, what we're going to be talking about through this series. And for the next three weeks, as, as we expand on this, I'm going to suggest a few guardrails here and there. But it's really up to you whether you establish these or establish others that I may not mention in your life. And I don't hold you to my guardrails. You don't hold me to your guardrails because they're going to be different. We're going to, we're going to get into that today. So the basic foundational definition that I want to start working with this morning when we talk about guardrails, if we can put that on the screen, that first slide that was just up there a moment ago, is that guardrails are hard boundaries in a safe place that keep us from sin. Guardrails are hard boundaries in a safe place to keep us from sin. Go ahead and just leave that definition up there as we talk about it and unpack it for just a little bit this morning. So have you ever noticed how you're driving down 95 and the guardrail is actually in a drivable part of the road, right? So the guardrail, we give up three to four feet or so of the road to put a guardrail in. And sometimes it's quite annoying because that extra three to four feet would allow me the space I need to pass the slow person in the left-hand lane going down 95 to get around them. But we willingly give up this safe, drivable path because there's people doing 110 on the other side of 95 that I don't want to go into. And so they're in a safe place to avoid us from going into a place that's really dangerous. And if you've ever hit a guardrail, you'll know that guardrails can do some damage to your car. But the damage they do to your car and to your, your person, if you have any from, on your body, yourself, hopefully you're protected in your car, but the damage that does happen is significantly less than what could have been. The damage that might happen is significantly less than where you, you could have ended up. And so we establish hard boundaries in our life, guardrails, 
in a safe place. You see, our, our, culture, our culture likes to paint lines on a road. Our culture likes to paint lines on a road and say, Here, here's kind of a good guide maybe, just stay within this. But they're not hard boundaries that we should establish for our lives. So for example, if, you, if you've ever watched TV and you've seen an alcohol commercial, at the end of the commercial it ends with what? Drink responsibly, right? Every, every commercial I've ever seen ends with that drink responsibly ending, right? But what's responsibly mean? What's that mean? Do you, do you trust yourself after you've had a couple of them to, to be thinking clearly enough to know what responsible is? No. But we need to set hard boundaries in a safe place to make sure we don't go off the side of the road. So for example, you might know, I, I can have, not me, but you might think to yourself, right? I can have four or five drinks and I'll be okay. But maybe you decide as a hard, firm boundary, I'm only going to have two. I'm only going to have two because that's more than enough and that's, that's fine. You, you, fir- you, you fix that, that hard boundary in your mind. Now, others of you might say, I, I can't even go into a bar. If I have one, I, I'm, I, it's too much of a temptation to have more. Like, I'm just not going to have any. So you set that foundation, that, that firm boundary of, I'm just not going to have any. I'm, I'm just not even going to go in there. And it's different from person to person. You know, the advice our culture gives about sex today is to wait till you're ready. Well, you ask any teenage boy, and they were ready years ago, Right? That doesn't help anything. But we can establish some firm boundaries of we're not going to cross this line. Um, many of you are probably familiar with the Billy Graham rule. Years ago, Billy Graham said, I'm, I'm not going to travel alone. I'm not going to meet alone with, with someone of the opposite sex, period. And several years ago, uh, former Vice President uh, Pence said that he observes this, this rule in his life, and he honors this as a, as a guardrail in his life. And he, he got a lot of flack for it. There's a lot of articles. There's a lot of conversation. And see, so he, here's the thing about guardrails, right? Our culture, because they paint lines on the road and they don't establish guardrails, they're not going to respect guardrails. Our, our culture will mock us like they did, like they do for those who hold to the Billy Graham rule often. They, they will mock us for establishing those guardrails. But also what culture will do is that they will hang us and crucify us on a cross if we're a homewrecker or if we cheat on our spouse. If we actually go off into the ditch, if we go off into oncoming traffic, our culture will mock us and crucify us for that also. And so we establish firm boundaries, hard boundaries in a safe place, in an area where it could be safe for us to go, but we're going to give ourselves some, some latitude. We're going to give ourselves some space and establish some firm boundaries to keep us far away from sin. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to go there because we're trying to be more like Jesus. We're trying to pursue holiness. We're trying to pursue righteousness. We're trying to stay on this road. And we're trying to stay as far away from sin as we can. Now, Scripture and Jesus didn't really talk a lot about this idea, this concept of, of guardrails. But what he did talk about a lot was making sure we don't fall into sin. Matthew chapter 5, 29 through 30 says, 
If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members and that your whole body go into hell. Now, sometimes we, we like to look at this passage and we're like, well, Jesus didn't really mean to gouge out an eyeball or to cut your hand off. But there is this intensity. If, if your right hand, if your eyeball is causing you to sin, is it not better for you to get rid of it? This is, this is the mentality and the attitude we're to have to avoid the ditch, to avoid un, uh, oncoming traffic, to make sure we avoid sin with this intensity. But Paul picks up on this in 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee, flee, run away from flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who, are, who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to talk about relationships. And Paul picks this up again in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. This idea that we're not just supposed to, to turn our backs away from it. We're not supposed to just be like avoiding it and eyeballing it out of the side. Right? We are to run away from sin, to avoid it like the plague. And so we set up guardrails in our life to avoid those dangerous areas. We have this problem in Christianity today where we avoid the big sins. I'm not going to murder anybody. But these smaller little sins, I'm just, I'm just going to make sure I don't get caught. When was the last time we've really been convicted of pride? Envy? When was the last time I actually called myself out on thinking those unkind thoughts about someone who did something to me? Jesus said to love your enemy. What, what if he was actually serious? The thoughts that we have about people who are our enemy, whether they're in the same room or, or across the world from us, we just kind of brush those under the rug. Jesus does not say avoid this kind of sin, avoid this list of sins here. No, it's, a, it's avoid sin. And so what we need to do are put boundaries in our life to make sure that we avoid sin. When I was a youth minister in Kentucky, I had a lot of parents who would ask me to talk with their kids about baptism. And they would ask me, you know, just can you, they've expressed interest in baptism. They've said they wanted to be baptized. Can you just talk with them? And my, my first response always was to say, hey, can I help coach you to talk to your kid? I firmly believe, parents, you are the spiritual leader of your family, of your, of your kids. You pour into them, and I will give you any resources I have and help walk you through what those conversations can look like. But that burden and responsibility lays on you. And so sometimes they'd say yes, and other times they'd be like, well, can you help and can you, can you start the conversation? And so I would, I would have conversations and make sure they understand the basics. And, and sometimes I came back and I said, you know, let's, let's give it a couple months. Let's be intentional, talk about these passages, read these kind of things. And let's give it some time because I don't think they're quite ready. And then other times I would say, you know, they, they don't understand baptism completely. Let's be honest, I don't either. 
but they have a basic understanding of, of what's happening. They understand that they've sinned. They understand that God forgave them through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, and they want Jesus to live in their heart. Like, that's, they, they get it. Let's go for it. Sometimes I have conversations with adults about baptism. And I've never told an adult, I think you should wait. I'm not sure that's my place. But what I have had are some honest conversations with some adults of, you know, when we're baptized, Spirit of God comes into our, into our life. And what we should be doing is to the best of our ability to live life as Jesus did. To live life pure, holy, pursuing righteousness and holiness. God in the Old Testament and Peter in the New Testament echoes that cry to be holy as he is holy. And so it doesn't mean that you're perfect after you're baptized for the rest of your life, but it means that there's a striving. And I've looked many adults in the eye and said, hey, this pornography addiction that you just told me about, we got to put up some guardrails. And I want to walk with you through it, but this is a new life that starts today. This, this alcohol addiction, this drug addiction, whatever it is that you're, you're wrestling with right now, you start fighting that today through the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. This person that you're living with, that you're not married to, you know what Scripture says about sexual morality, that we need to be moving towards holiness and righteousness. And it doesn't happen overnight, but what we can do is we start establishing guardrails in this journey to become more like Jesus. Now, this is kind of the framework that the religious leaders of Jesus' day actually tried to do. They, they saw the history, they knew the history of Israel throughout the Old Testament where they were good with God and then they'd sin, they, they worship other gods, they fall away and God would punish them and and then he would just restore them in this cycle that happened throughout the Old Testament over and over and over. And so the religious leaders came and they said, hey, we're going to actually put a hedge around God's law. We're going to make this other law to make sure that we don't break God's law. And, and that's in, in essence what we're, what we're talking about with guardrails. We're going to create our own laws. We're going to create our own rules that we follow to make sure we don't end up somewhere we, we don't want to be. The, the problem that they had is they tried to impose their laws on other people. And so one of the laws was, you know, not to work on the Sabbath, to have a, a day of rest. We have a, a lot of farmers, several farmers in, in here in this community, and farmers work very hard. And on Sunday, maybe a guardrail that farmers put up and say, I'm, I'm not going to work on Sunday. I'm not even going to go to my field. I'm not even going to go to the garage. I'm not even going to go to the shed. I'm not going to even go near it. Well, for me, I, I love the imagery in Scripture about harvesting and farming and growth. And like, that's just beautiful imagery. And sometimes it's actually really restful for me to be out in the garden or out on, on the field or out, outside enjoying God's creation. So I don't need to put up that boundary in my life. We're different. This was one of the, the things that uh, we talked about a lot in seminary. This might be a day of rest for you guys, but my day on Sunday usually starts about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. It's not a day of rest for me. I work, and that's okay. 
But I need to be intentional about setting aside another day of the week to observe the Sabbath, to make sure that I'm resting and connecting with God. And my Sabbath, because I have basically a desk job, might look like working in the, in the yard. It might look very different from yours, but we establish our firm boundaries to make sure we're avoiding the places where we don't want to go. And we hold to them. I, like many guys, have struggled with pornography. And every month, thirteen forty-nine comes out of my bank account as we have filtering and accountability software that's on all of our devices to block that kind of stuff. And it sends a report once a month to, to an accountability partner. And thirteen forty-nine, as long as that doesn't come up, will go out of our bank account for the rest of my life. And if that cost goes up, then it'll go up to fourteen forty-nine or fifteen forty-nine, and I'll pay it for the rest of my life to avoid going to those places. And you might not need that boundary. You might not need that, that hard boundary, that hard guardrail there to prevent you from going to that place. I'm not sure if I need it, but I'm not moving it. I don't want to even try. We've got to establish these hard guardrails and these hard boundaries in our life to make sure we avoid going to places that we don't want to go. That we avoid going to a place that will inevitably lead to regret and sin and a whole lot of mess. Ephesians chapter 5, I love the way that Paul puts this here in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. The reason I love this is he could have said a lot of things here. He could have said a lot of things about how you live your life, about how you walk in this life. He could have said, walk according to righteousness, walk according to holiness, walk, walk perfectly. He could have said a lot of things that were a little bit more black and white. But he said, not as unwise, but wise. And I don't know about you, but wisdom, wisdom doesn't really seem like a, a black and white thing. Andy Stanley actually defines wisdom and, and, and wise as in light of your past experiences and your present circumstance and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? In light of your, your past circumstances your, or your past experiences, your present circumstances and your future hopes and dreams, what is the best thing? And we all have a different past we all have different struggles. We all have different things that we have wrestled with in, in the past. We're all in a different place in life right now. We all have similar hopes and dreams to some degree. You know, our foundation is built on Christ. We want to be like Christ. We have a similar goal in, in that regard, but we also have many other goals depending on our stage of life right now. So what is the wise thing to do? Well, it depends on your past experience, your current circumstance, and your future hopes and dreams. And I can't tell you what the wise thing is for you to do. It's hard for you to look at my life and say, Will, you should do this because this is the wise thing to do. But we have to walk in wisdom. He continues in verse 18, and he says, And don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Like, this is, this is, this is, one of these passages here that Paul, again, could have said a lot of different things. 
He could have said not to get drunk on much wine. And what I expect him to say is define where that line is. Is define like what is too much wine? What is that line that I should not cross? But, he finishes, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not about wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Because see, here's the reality, church. We have this terrible temptation to say, how close to the guardrail can I get? If you've ever been in a dating relationship, right? How far is too far? What is that line that I can go up to and not cross? What is that line I can go up to and not cross when it comes to to alcohol or or physical touch and relationships or, or whatever it may be? What is that line I can go up to and not cross for it to still be okay? But nobody drives on the road thinking, how close can I get to this guardrail? And the reality is that every step we take away from a guardrail is a step closer to Jesus. Every step away from the guardrail is a step closer to the nature and character of Jesus. It's not about getting close to the guardrail. The guardrails are there to protect us. They're there because we all have bad days. We're human. We sin. We mess up. We make mistakes. And we establish guardrails to protect us from from what's on the other side of that guardrail, from a place that we don't want to be. But the goal is to stay on the road to becoming more like Jesus. So church, what guardrails do you need in your life? In light of your past experiences and where you are currently, and in light of your future hopes and dreams, what do you need to guard against? What are areas of your life that you you don't want to go? What are areas of your life where you're not quite reflecting Jesus the way that he's called us to? These are hard conversations that I want us to think about over the next few weeks. Because the goal for all of us should not be to not be like the world or not be like that person over there. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to avoid this. I just want to make sure I'm not getting over here. How close to Jesus can we be? And that's where our relationship with him will thrive. That's where our relationship with him will thrive. That's where the spirit will come in and do amazing things in our life and through our life. And, and God, is, God is never going to force us to follow him more closely You know, the book of Acts is all about what the Holy Spirit did in people and through people in the early church. And it's it's amazing to see what the Spirit of God does. And the Spirit of God still works and moves like that today in our life and through our life. But He's not going to force us. He's not going to force us to be in the middle of this road when we're trying to go off the side. And so how disciplined can we be? What kind of guardrails can we establish in our life for those bad days, for those hard days when we're not thinking quite straight, when we're lonely, when we're hurting, when we're burdened, when we're stressed out, when anxiety starts rising up inside of us? What can we put in place to make sure we're staying close to Jesus? Father God, This is so hard. 
This life is full of so many distractions, so many appealing things, so many people who are shouting at us and distracting us, and, and God, it is so hard, so hard to live this life in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you. God, I pray for your spirit to come in our soul, to come in our life, to convict us, convict us of sin, to convict us of places and aspects of our life that, that don't look as much like you as they should. God, put in our minds and in our hearts some guardrails that we need to establish to be more like you. Lord, we love you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Um, God sent his son 2,000